Uh, I did upgrade upgrade to the Android beta, mm-hmm. uh, but I haven't had a chance to actually uh, play around with it yet because I locked myself out of my phone because I set oh. a password and I forgot what it was huh. uh, when I restored. And I was like, crap. So I was like, I really don't want to have to restore the phone and sign back in. Because see, when I sign in, I have to type in my, my Google password. So yeah. that means I'm looking at one device to read the password and then manually typing it in on the keyboard. It's a pain because it's, you know, generated by one password. I see what you did there. Good transition. (laughs) Anyways. Uh, Yeah, that was totally accidental too. (laughs) Um, hmm, Should call the show Accidentally Professional. (laughs) Maybe that'll be the show title. We'll see. I I Mm. like it because then I don't have to think about it. Mm, I'm thinking about just a, a show in general called Accidentally ah, Professional. Let me yeah. tell you how I stumbled into being a professional at this shit. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think that would be a good BES show. Mm, could be. Yeah. Should yeah. be. We'll change the show name. Anyway, I should write that down somewhere, though, because uh, I forget it. So, remember I told you that I set my phone up as a work device only. So I uh-huh. signed in with my G Suite account first and did the whole dance and all of that. And I did not have it set as a personal device with a separate work profile. It's just completely managed by my G Suite account. I said, huh, I know I can wipe my phone from G Suite. I know I can do other stuff to it from G Suite. Can I go into G Suite, go to that device and change its pin code? I think I can. Let me see if I can. Uh, and I was able to oh. go in and change the password for the device. Now, the key is that, at least in my case, I'm not. it didn't give me any instructions. I just said, and it was like, okay, this is going on. It's like, check the logs, you know, to see the pro- progress or whatever. So I wait about 15 minutes. I go and check the logs, and it's like, oh, no, this is in progress. And I'm like, okay, is it is it not going to work or... Mm-hmm. What? And finally, after about an hour or so, because I was like, well, maybe it's waiting on the next time it's going to do a sync to, you know, update that info. Yeah. And then it occurred to me, huh, try rebooting the phone. <laughs> Reboot the phone to do password I typed in work. I was like, yeah, that is awesome. That is a reason to completely manage my device, even though Google won't let me do backups. Mm-hmm. So follow up from last uh, episode. <laughs> <laughs> I found out that you cannot at this time do backups on G Suite accounts when G Suite is the primary account that you log into on Android. Quite frustrating and hopefully something that will be fixed in the semi-distant future. Uh, I, I would say semi-near future, but from some Googling, I found out this has been an issue for a little while. Uh, it, the way around it that Google recommended for me is to sign in with a personal account and then add the G Suite account. So you gotta you gotta pick and choose what you want. Uh, f- so for me, it's not a huge issue because I explained in DM51 how I get uh, my call logs and my password, well, how I get my call logs and my text messages backed up. And then using one password, again, going back to that transition, we uh, are able to easily sign into applications in most instances. So uh yeah even though i can't do backups i've still got a i've kind of gotten the process down like being able to punch into play store what apps i need go download them although someone recommended to me because i always forget about this because i don't use it 
that they said, hey, Michael, why don't you just write down a list of apps in Notepad, save it on your computer, and then go to play.google.com and install them from there so then you're not having to dictate or type in the app names for everything oh, you want, and then you get nice. the same apps. And I'm like, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I only think about it when I happen to be at the computer and someone like gives me a link to an app or something like that. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can go to the Play Store over here and then actually install it from over there. Hey, Apple, copy that. (laughs) Now, yeah, like it's one of those features that you don't use until you use it and then you forget about it. So I'm slowly working on building my list of apps. And the first one on there is 1Password. Uh, and then the second one on there is Todoist because those are the two apps that I need to know what I'm doing. And see, Todoist, I don't necessarily need one password because I use Google to sign in with it. So once uh, I'm into Google, I can I can sign in and see what I need to do. I guess I could put. I no. should switch. I should add my Google account to my Todoist login because that would make things simpler. Oh, it, it sure does. Just a warning too, just because I encountered this, and this is more for the listener uh than mike because i don't think mike is contemplating closing his g suite account uh at all uh just a warning though be mindful if you have even a free gmail account or a paid g suite account that before you cancel said account go through you know go to my account i think it's my or accounts.google.com yeah accounts.google.com and take a look at what apps and services are connected <laughs> to your Google account before you delete it. Uh, because once you delete it, like you could find yourself in a situation where you're weirdly locked out of a bunch of shit because you just deleted yeah. your, your authentication method, basically. So uh, I've been paying Google since 2015. I found that out when I was doing this live chat. And the idea of canceling my Google account did cross my mind. And then I remembered, well, you know, I just signed into Todoist with my Google account. Man, how many other apps are like that? I have 63 apps that I sign into with my Google account. I think I'll just keep things how they are right now. Yeah. The, the th- and the reason I brought that up is because I happen to be running into it with a uh, a client of Desiree's, actually, where he wants to mm. cancel a G Suite account. And it occurred to me as I was reconfiguring his email to point elsewhere that, hey, he shouldn't just go delete that license mm-hmm. because he's probably got stuff attached to it. Uh, so I mentioned it to him. Uh, and said, hey, you know, before you do this, if if you have any of the following services that you have signed in or any services or apps or that you have signed in with this Google account with, such as YouTube, especially YouTube. Uh, yeah. You need to think strategically about what you're going to do. Now, some stuff you'll be okay, or at least you can fix it before you get ready to remove the account. Uh, there, there are a couple ideas. So YouTube is probably one of the simplest things to deal with because uh, you can invite a, another Google account of yours. So like in this guy's case, he does have a separate Gmail account. Yep. You can invite that Gmail account as a manager to his YouTube channel and then change ownership. So now that YouTube channel stays intact. Uh, when he cancels the G Suite account, uh, you can do similar things with calendars or just export your calendar altogether and import it into another calendar system. Uh, but the thing you really got to be careful about is those third party apps where you use Google to authenticate to them. Uh, 
Todoist, I was about to say Toggle. Toggle is also in that group too. But Todoist, Toggle, there are several services where you can have Google as a login method, but you can also add other means of logging in. Yeah. So, for example, my Toggle uh, account, I can log in with Apple and I can log in with Google. And it gets me to the same account. Uh, Todoist ah. will let you do the same thing. So I can, I think currently I'm set to sign in to Todoist with either email and password. I did have an email and password and I switched to sign in with Apple when they added that. And uh, I'm probably going to add Google as a second option. Uh, the other thing that I pointed out to him, and a lot of people don't know that Google has G Suite on the, well, Google Cloud, which is the, overarching name for all of their services that that includes but is not exclusive to G Suite uh Google Cloud their their server infrastructure competitor to AWS and mm-hmm. Microsoft Azure uh they have cloud identity manager which they've added which basically breaks out the hey you can authenticate to these third party services and applications with your Google account out of G Suite, so it's not tied to a G Suite license anymore. Uh, so you could, in theory, sign up an account for Google Identity Manager and use their free plan and not pay for G Suite at all. Uh, they also have paid tiers of Cloud Identity Manager. My suggestion to this person was to get on the phone with support because I can't tell you if this works. Theoretically, in my mind, it should work, but I don't know because I've never done it. Uh, it will require me to actually cancel my G Suite license, which I don't <laughs> want to do. No, uh, that'll wreak also. <laughs> that'll wreak also. It's a problem for everybody, including yes. Mike. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> uh, Tell me if you can't pay that bill, and I'll pay it for you. You know. <laughs> uh, so I was like, what I think theoretically you should be able to do is add. Make sure that you have Cloud Identity Manager free. Uh, attached to that account, cancel your G Suite license and just shift down to the free cloud identity manager, which means you still have the same email address and login details for Google. So if you're going to sign into, say, YouTube or, uh, you know, I don't know, some other Blogger. service to do is, man, bloggers <laughs> really dead. Uh, Although, strangely enough, I still run across so very infrequently, like, links to blogger sites. And I'm like, really? KWRO and KJMX2's blogger for their morning show. Huh. To keep track of everything. Because it's free and easy for them to set up. And then they just log in with the account, post the content, and that's literally all they do. And but they're yeah, out. it's Yep. It's, it's I, there. <laughs> I thought Google had deprecated it in favor of Google Sites, but I must be mistaken. Not yet. Or they, Not yet. Or they tried to do it and people were like, uh, no, <laughs> you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. If you can't pay for that server, we will help you, but you cannot cancel it. <laughs> so that, uh, we'll we'll that, buy pizzas for people. Right. That all makes sense. Uh, so be careful when canceling accounts because if that account is what you sign in with, in a lot of cases, it could break shit. So pretty much. Now, so, what tomo- you? Go ahead. I was going to say now, theoretically, what you should do, even though it is super easy to sign into an account with Google or with Facebook or Twitter or whatever, you really should 
just, you know, the problem that that solves is that you don't have to remember a password for a separate account, right? You got this this new account. You just want to sign up for Todoist because Mike's been telling you about it forever. And you're like, oh, I'm just going to sign in with Google. I don't have to create a new password and username and all of that and remember that. If you were using one password, you wouldn't really have such an issue with the part of keeping up with the password and the username and having a good password that is distinctly different from anything else that you're using on the Internet. And that's what me and Mike are going to chat about today is one password. Uh, kind of our history of using one password, what mm-hmm. brought us to one password and why we're still using it. And probably little bit about our forays into exploring other password management solutions before <laughs> ultimately winding up back at the door of the agile bits people they're canadians though everybody says canadians are super, well i can't say that because i won't go back to fresh book so never mind <laughs> <laughs> so Tomasi, can you tell us a little bit about what is one password in a semi-brief one password is a an encrypted vault to store uh, at minimum, your login details for different websites. Uh, and it has the ability to generate secure random passwords for you uh, so that you don't have to try to come up with a decent password yourself. You can just generate it with several different options for settings of how long you want it to be. Uh, in addition to supporting logging you into websites and on mobile devices, uh, applications, you also have the ability to store other information in one password, including uh, credit cards, uh, info. Uh, you can actually store attachments in one password, uh, which is what I do with things like my ID and uh, birth certificate. Like I snap a picture of them and store them in one password just in case I ever need to at least prove that I had these documents in my possession at some point. Interesting. Uh, generate passwords there. Uh, and one of the neat things about 1Password is the ability to share information in several different ways. And we'll get to on how you can do that in different uh, circumstances. But that basically is what it is. It's going to store things securely for you uh, that is encrypted. You have a master password that you have to remember. Uh, and if you lose your password, like you're pretty much screwed, basically. Uh, Barring a few very specific circumstances, if you lose your one password, you are screwed uh, because they don't have the ability to reset your password for you. Uh, They don't have the ability to view the data that is stored in your account. One password is a software as a service solution. So it's a monthly or annual subscription right now. Although quiet as it seems to be kept right now they still offer the standalone application so that you can handle the syncing solution yourself yeah uh so that is also an option uh and i am aware of several companies that still purchase one password licenses for the applications because they do the syncing internally on their own controlled servers uh because well you're not allowed to take stuff outside the building I just pay them for a year of access and say, I don't want to worry about the syncing. Let's just let one password sync it for me because then it works on any device that then I it works everywhere. On. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't have to worry about trying to set up the settings properly. The problem I used to run into back in the days. Uh, so when I first started using one password, it was probably around 2011. Uh, 
And at that time, they were all standalone applications. You had to buy the Mac app. You had to buy the Windows app. You had to buy the uh, iOS app. Uh, And they had a free Android app. And the reason the Android app was free at that time is because it was only a reader. Um, Ah. You could not update or add information. You could simply open up the app and view information. And I believe it gave you the ability to like copy the password or whatever. So you could go paste it. Unfortunately, back in those days, copy and paste (laughs) with TalkBack was horrendous. Uh, So it was not fun. But at the old, back then, uh, it was not a subscription service. It was a simple standalone application, and you bought the applications that you needed for each platform that you were going to use it on. They did offer a nice, nice Windows Mac bundle that would save you some money. Uh, but you had to set up sync. Now, they gave you you know some straightforward ways to do it, but you were responsible for picking the way that you wanted to sync. And in the beginning, it was either Dropbox so you will point one password to Dropbox. And if you didn't have a vault already existing there, you would create one. If you had an existing vault there, then you would just point it to that file and enter your one password to unlock that vault. Uh, your other options for syncing were uh, your own server. Uh, so you could set up like, and I believe it may have relied on WebDAV, but I'm not 100% certain about that because I never actually mm-hmm. set that up uh, that way. And the other option you had was what they called, uh, uh, is it Wi-Fi sync? No, LAN sync, uh, LAN yeah. sync. And that would allow you to, uh, let's say you have it running on your Windows computer and on your iPhone back then, you would, uh, and they still offer this feature, I believe. Uh, but if you update it, something on one device, it would not show up on the other device until you brought them together and ran a sync. Uh, over the air so like over Wi-Fi or whatever and you will be able to keep your data updated that way very much a pain in the butt I always use Dropbox until they added iCloud at some point around 2016 17 they added iCloud uh, I accidentally leaked it on Twitter because <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I forgot I was on a beta so I was, <laughs> I was setting up one password again on, 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 a, on a new new-ish MacBook. Uh, and I saw sync with, with iCloud. And I was like, whoa, I can sync it through iCloud Drive now? All right, great. That's that's almost getting me away from Dropbox. Which is and then you tweeted it out. And, that's and then I tweeted like, hey, thanks. I Twitter that much. <laughs> I was like, hey, thanks for the one, thanks for adding uh, iCloud sync to 1Password. I've been waiting on that forever. And the 1Password account tweets back and says, shh. Can we please get you to maybe take that tweet down because it's still in beta? I was like, oh, shit. My bad. Uh, <laughs> sure, no problem. I will take that tweet yeah. down and I deleted it. So, uh, which is fortunate because I believe had this happened maybe a couple of years before that, you did not, at some point, you didn't have the ability to delete a tweet or my mistake. Right. Uh, so that's that was my beginnings with 1Password. I started out actually using 1Password on Windows, uh, Windows XP, as a matter of fact. Oh. Uh, it was still 2011-ish, but, you know, XP, because XP at the time for me was the most solid Windows that existed yeah. that was still supported. Yeah. Uh, you know, Vista was a train wreck, and I wasn't trusting 7 yet. I hadn't even tried it. So, uh, yep, me, my iPhone, and a borrowed laptop, my sister's laptop, uh, is how I got started with 1Password. I think I got started with 1Password. I don't remember exactly when it was. 
it was after you and I were talking. I know that, but I, I think it was when one password seven came out and I didn't have to buy it on every platform. Cause I didn't understand why I needed to pay for a password management tool. And then I realized, Oh, uh, my password, because I was relying on iCloud for password management at that point. And then I realized, Oh, this allows me to use my passwords on any device that I'm on. And I can store like, uh, uh, profile information. I think it actually was after or right before we recorded DM seven. I think it was right before we recorded DM seven. So 2017, somewhere around there. And we were talking about it and I went and I picked up a subscription of it and I'm like, Oh, this is super nice. I can just hit command backslash fill in all my information, depending on what I'm on, whether that be my name and address or that be uh, username and password. And it'll generate passwords for me. Uh, admittedly, I didn't really start using the password generator in the fullest like within the application itself i would uh go and open an instance of one password and generate a password and then paste it in and save it and then i realized that you can use one password mini to actually get to that password generator and generate a password and you didn't have to go open one password so i i made my life a little harder than i needed to and now that i am fully entrenched into the one password ecosystem, I'm using it on Windows, I'm using it on Android, I've got it on one of the test iPhones that I'm working with, and I've also got it on Mallory's Mac. And so, yeah, it's it's pretty nice to be able to just log in, fill in my information, and not have to remember passwords anymore. Yeah, that was the thing that so like, I, I, it took me a minute to kind of figure out, like, why is this useful? Uh until because I think I actually started with it on iOS. So at that time with iOS, of course, there was no autofill. There was there weren't even share sheet extension. So, you know, if you want to mm. go fill in a password, you had to go over to the app, copy the password, go over to the browser, paste it in or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but once I started using it on Windows, uh, like you, I, I started out with the free trial and it was like, huh. Now I get it. Oh, I go to Google and I just hit this keyboard command and it fills in my password. Wait, I can make a better password than the one I have now. (laughs) And I just slowly started changing passwords uh, within one password. And even back then, I want to say that one password showed you where it detected duplicate passwords, Mm -hmm. uh, which is another handy feature. Like when you start using one password, especially today like today is is really nice because they they warn you about duplicate passwords uh if you turn on the option they will alert you when uh you know an account that you have stored in one password has suffered a breach so that you'll know to go change your password and for me getting started with one password once i figured out how simple it was to have it save a password generate a a new random long password and store it and i didn't have to worry about did i remember that password or did i have the file that had my passwords in it on my thumb drive that i was using Mm. on somebody else like i didn't have to worry about any of that the only place it fell down for me back then uh in the early days of me using i'll say the first three or four years of me using it the only place that it really fell down for me was if i found myself which i often did at those times find myself at a computer that was not mine. Uh, and then I didn't have a yeah. way to access my passwords. There's some little kind of workaround where you could go to your Dropbox account and log in 
and navigate to your one password file and be able to open it so you can view things. But it was a little goofy and it also requires you to know your Dropbox account info, which I was trying not to know. Yeah, because then if you make it easy enough, then others could guess it. And then that's that's the weak link in the chain. Yeah, yeah. And then there's also the fact that you would log into Dropbox in somebody else's browser and then maybe you forgot to sign out and now they're in your drop. Mm-hmm. While they could not access your 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 one password data that was stored there without knowing the one password to unlock the vault, right. uh, you know, they still had access to the rest of your Dropbox. So that actually led me into trying out uh LastPass for a little while. Uh I don't think I used LastPass maybe from probably 2013, mid-2013, up until early 2014. I know it was early 2014 when I went back to 1Password because that's when I actually got my first own, my own uh, MacBook Pro was 2014. Uh, And the LastPass app on the Mac was horrendous. Uh, So I spent about a year, maybe a year and a half altogether on LastPass because they did have browser access. Uh, They were also a subscription service at the time, too. Have you tried any other password managers since coming to 1Password? Uh, I know you mentioned a few minutes ago that you you were using iCloud iCloud Keychain. Uh, Yep. I tried LastPass for about half a month because I didn't want to pay for one password anymore for a little bit. I, I, I was going through this down downsize all the subscriptions that I had. And I thought mm-hmm. I could get away with not using one uh, password as a subscription because now LastPass offers a free tier on using their application. I'm not quite sure all the details of it because I, w- I was doing a trial of their paid tier and then uh, was going to transition to the free tier and you know just just play around with it well i found that their app wasn't as intuitive on android as i would have liked and so i ended up going back over to one password mainly because that that i knew the one password platform so i was comfortable over there then funny thing about this is uh, about two or three months ago uh i think it was may when i bought my annual subscription i don't remember when that was uh somewhere around there uh right before i paid for that annual subscription with one password i'm like let me go try LastPass because i keep hearing podcasts that are sponsored by you know LastPass, and maybe mm-hmm. i should go check it out maybe they offer something you know the grass is greener on the other side or however that saying is well I couldn't remember my LastPass password, and I didn't know what I used, so I couldn't get into LastPass. So that was me dropping that idea right away. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, because that's what you expect out of a password manager, is you don't want it to be very easy to be able to recover your password information, because then who knows who can get that information. So uh, I'm back on one password happy with it. It's working great for me on Android, and it's working well on uh, Windows as well. Yeah, that that was my. Uh, it's interesting that you say their app wasn't as intuitive. So I have not looked at LastPass. I, I had this. I had a similar thought as you, uh, which is like, man, I'm here now sponsoring a lot of people's stuff, and maybe I should go take a peek at it. Uh, and just to back up, their free tier, you get free access on one device. So as soon as you need ah. to add a second device, you got to start paying. Uh, well, it looks like I, I would have been paying them. <laughs> uh, but I did think about going to check them out just to see like you know what is it like now compared to when i use like is the mac app accessible anymore you know yeah uh whatever and i just really couldn't bring myself 
to take out the time to do it because I go, I look at their plans. I'm like, well, one feature wise, they don't appear to be offering anything that I need that I don't have at one password. Like mm-hmm. the only features they had that one password does not currently have that I could see was uh, first. It was more on a, a teams or business account level, and it was support for using your last pass account the same way we were just talking about using your Google account as a authentication layer uh, to, you know, as a, as a uh, mm-hmm. OAuth client to get into different apps. I'm like, well, first I'm not paying for that just for that. Uh, <laughs> that don't make sense. Uh, especially when I got, you know, G suite working over here, I can easily set up uh, and I have actually set up uh, uh, Tia at least nobody else at the moment, but I've set up Tia uh, with our family domain as a cloud uh, identity free mm-hmm. user uh, up under my G Suite account uh, so that she can use that account to log in as if it's a Google account because it is a Google account. It's just uh, authentication. Uh, and also, I don't, I don't know, like I, I remember this and it's, that's why I say it's funny that you said that the app didn't seem as intuitive to you because I remember using LastPass on Android uh, and I was on Android for a couple of years. Uh, mm-hmm. And I remember using it on Windows and using it in the browser and all of that. And it, 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 you're right. Like, it really didn't feel intuitive. It wasn't a a great user experience for me. Like, it worked. Like, I was able to use right. it. But it didn't feel like when I put one password on the Mac uh, for the first time after figuring out that the LastPass uh, application in their browser, their browser extension was sort of usable. The LastPass app that you could install on the Mac was just completely inaccessible uh i put one password on and it's like huh this feels great all right <laughs> let me find this script that i've been hearing about that will let you export your you know take a a, a last pass export of your stuff and import it into one password because uh-huh. i'm done i'm out yeah uh it took me about another year because i'd already paid unfortunately i had paid for another a year of uh there was a last deal pass. Uh, but I paid for a year of LastPass uh, to cover my entire family. So, like, Tia was in LastPass, and she was just, she, she was cool. She was done. Uh, she she did mention to me, uh, from an accessibility standpoint, that 1Password on Windows had very bad contrast. Uh, I don't know if she ever sent them a support message about it or not, but that was her first observation when switching to 1Password, is that... Uh, their interface in the browser and windows have very poor uh, contrast. So she was like, it's, it's like light gray text on a white background. It's not really super contrasty. <laughs> I, like, yeah. I never noticed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so outside of saving passwords, I mentioned that one password allows you to save a surprisingly amount of, data that is configurable uh you know one thing that you probably wouldn't you you usually would be extremely and i i'm extremely careful about this you would be usually extremely careful about your debit card credit card bank account uh details Mm -hmm. i have absolutely no problem whatsoever stuffing all that crap in one password because i don't care uh because i know it's secure like i i have you know their their documentation we will link in the show notes at your own pay.com slash dm52 
uh, a link to uh, some of their documentation on their security and how they built it and how it works. Uh, the plain English version, not the super techie version. They also link to the white paper that gives you the more deep dive into the technology and how all that works. But the high level explanation of why you can trust their security uh, and they have been security audited uh, a couple of times since they went to the SAS product. Uh, so I trust them, but one of the things that I store, you know, I, I, when I, whenever I have to get a new card or, uh, anything like that, like the first thing I want to do is get that number down so I can go put it in one password. Cause then I don't have to worry about ever remembering that number again. Like I don't, I don't have any of my bank card numbers memorized, my debit card, uh, or the one credit card I have. I do not have those numbers memorized. I can recognize their number by probably like the last four. Yeah. Digits, I know where it's associated with, but I have no idea of, of what the number is. Man, how times have changed. I remember when you had to know that number if you wanted to do anything. Uh, now you can call up Ira because they're on NDA or get someone cited to read you the card number. You throw it into one password and then on Windows you hit control backslash and that'll open the one password mini. You press tab and then down arrow. You tab until you hear it say logins and you down arrow once to hear credit cards. You hit enter and press tab and then you find the card you want and you hit enter. Sounds like a lot of work. It's really not. It comes naturally to me now. And then you can fill in all that, all the credit card details. Uh, all the I, credit card details are yeah. the CVC number, which things like yep. I know iCloud keychain will not fill in the CVC for you. You have to remember that. And you know, that is the number that people would always, even when back in the days of memorizing my card numbers right like i would always forget or mix up those three digits on the back of the card like every time so Um, i've got one password open here now and i'm going to run through this list and these are items that you can save in one password and uh i believe that they i only save some of these so i think what they do is they have different templates uh mm -hmm. the first one is logins that's your username password there's secure notes, credit cards, identity, password, document, bank account, database, driver's license, email account, membership, outdoor license, passport, program files. Oh, no, sorry. Passport, reward uh, servers. You can save your social security numbers. Software licenses. I use that quite often. Uh, mm-hmm. Wireless router. And you can import files as documents. So, there's a lot of different stuff you can save just by hitting control in on windows or command in on the Mac. Yep. And I have used most of those and yeah, it's just basically, it's just a template. Uh, yeah. So you yeah. take the email account, for example, they have the different fields for, uh, you know, the incoming server information, outgoing server, the username and password, uh, authentication methods, all of that, that you can, that's already there for you to just fill in. So, uh, if you need to store that information somewhere, which is a good thing. Uh, I have used that quite a bit. Yeah, software licenses is probably uh. my most used uh, outside of logins. It is probably yeah. my most used category of of items in 1Password. Uh, I have licenses going back. I even have my 1Password license <laughs> stored in 1Password. <laughs> For uh, me, it's logins uh credit cards and then uh licenses right now and that i think that's the order of different information that i've saved in there because i've even got like mallory's card information in case we need to order something on on her card or whatnot so it's it's an amazing tool 
undervalued, I think, and, and I don't use it. I mean, I use it every day, but I'm sure there's a lot more in the 1Password app that I could be using it for that I'm not. Now, I want to give people a quick Android tip on how to fill content with Android. And then if you don't mind, Demasi, after that, I would appreciate it if you could give people a rundown of how to fill stuff in iOS. And we can talk about the Mac and Windows, too. Uh, so on Android, if you double tap in a user field, if the uh, operating system recognizes that it's a username field, then it will surface the autofill with one password option. And so you'll find that about the center of the screen and you can double tap on that. And then you'll hear TalkBack say authenticate with one password. And if you're on the Pixel 4, then you can use your face to authenticate. But since I'm on the 3, I just tap the back of my phone with my finger. It authenticates. And then you are shown a list of accounts that one password recognizes may be a login for where you're at. If for some reason, let's say you are in the Wise app, if 1Password doesn't realize that the Wise app is associated with wise.com, uh, you won't see any accounts. All you'll see is a at create new option and a search option. So you double tap on the search option and you're putting in an edit box, you type in W-Y-Z-E and it, towards the middle of your screen, you'll see wise.com or wise, whatever you called it. And then you double tap on that and you will get an alert from 1Password that says, we can't verify that this app is associated with this login. Are you sure you want to continue? Well, I'm sure I want to continue because I'm the one who downloaded the wise app. So I continue and then any time in the future, unless you restore your phone, you will be able to see the Wise app information by double tapping on the autofill with one password, authenticating, and then Wise will be right there. Um, if you don't get that prompt for authentication on Android, and this has happened to me a couple of times, both on websites and inside of apps, uh, then all you need to do is find the username edit box. Double tap and hold on that username edit box for about a second and you'll feel a brief tap or a brief vibration. Then what I do is I do the down up flick to get to the last item and that's the last item on the screen. And if you flick to the right one more time, you'll hear paste and then flick to the right again and you'll hear more options. Double tap that more options and then flick to the left once and you'll hear autofill. If you double tap on that, then autofill with one password will then be available. And then, of course, you just go through the same steps that I outlined a minute ago with authenticating yourself and finding the login and filling it in. Um, so that's how you fill information in in 1Password. And it's a pretty seamless experience while using Android once you get familiar with it. How is the experience on iOS 14? So just to briefly let listeners know, if you're not familiar with Google's phone and the Pixels, the reason Mike said he's going to tap the back of his Pixel 3 is because the fingerprint oh. sensor is on the back yeah. of the phone. I don't want people freaking out like, oh, you just tapped the back of it? How does it? <laughs> this fingerprint sensor is on the back of that phone. Yes, uh, yes. And I dearly wish I had a kept mine, uh, to be quite honest with you. The Pixel 4 is okay. I think the camera is probably better. I don't I haven't really used it a whole bunch. Enough I miss the fingerprint sensor and its capabilities, uh, its extra talkback capabilities on the Pixel 3 more than I get use out of the camera on the Pixel 4 uh, would be my deal. As for filling out passwords on iOS, so 
I'll say that it worked similarly in iOS 14, but I really want to address 13 because that's where people are today. And I don't really see there being a significant change going into iOS 14 or at least not any significant behavioral changes. Uh, Similar to what Mike said, if you're in an application where you need to log in or you're on a website uh, in Safari or any just about all apps, uh, double tap in the username field again, as Mike said, if if the system detects that this is a login screen that you're on, your keyboard is going to come up, but then right above your keyboard, you will see uh, where it shows suggestions that you will see one of two things. You may just see passwords button. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that's the case, you just tap that and that will bring up the screen for you to go into one password. And uh, usually at that point, you're going to have to search for the password that you're looking for. Uh, inside of one password to have it feel recently very recently in ios it also started if you were in an app and you you know search for it and tapped it it would it started popping up the message that i saw on android last year which is you know we can't associate this we can't verify that this app is associated uh-huh. with this login prior to that it would just fill it in uh which I didn't necessarily have a problem with because I felt like if I was initiating that whole process all the way down to searching for the specific login I wanted, I was okay with it. I did find it a little strange after experiencing it on Android that uh, Apple had not implemented a similar rule Uh, because I I would assume that that's sort of something based in the OS and, and not, particular to one password if so it wouldn't make sense for them to do it on one platform and not do it on the other but after tapping the button get up you authenticate to your one password uh so again if you have a touch id device uh use your fingerprint yeah face id use face id if you have not activated face id uh, a biometric authentication we'll say uh for one password then you have to type in your one password uh to access the account but as mike said just search now, one password on iOS uh, in these cases takes up just about your whole screen uh, on the iPhone 8 at least. I have not actually tried it out on a uh, Face ID device personally, uh, but it takes up a large portion of the screen. So tapping anywhere on the screen will at least get your focus in that window and then flicking to the left, depending on where you are, will get you to the search field if you need to search. Uh, and you just double tap on it and it'll paste it in. The other thing that you may see above your keyboard when you tap into a username field or password field is an actual suggestion from the OS for your 1Password login ah. that you should fill in there. Uh, if that's the case, just tap on the one you want. Uh, sometimes you may see a couple of options depending on the circumstances. Uh, tap on the one you want, authenticate to 1Password, and then it fills it in and goes on about its day. On occasion, the system really tries to be helpful. Uh, and I'm not certain if this is because I have both iCloud Keychain and 1Password turned on or if it is a just a side effect of iOS itself in general and it doesn't matter. On occasion, I will tap on a field and it only happens to me in websites. I will tap on a username field to log in or a password field to log in and instead of giving me a keyboard, it gives me a suggestion. Would you like mm-hmm. to log into Google.com with your G, with your Google account? And it shows me the email address to set account or it shows me the username of the account that, that it is suggesting that I probably want to use. And if I want to use that, I can tap on it 
And if I don't want to use that, I have a couple of options I can flick to, one of which is show me whole keyboard and show me all passwords. And the reason I'm not certain, I believe this is an iOS feature and not just restricted, not just active because I have a keychain on, is because most times I see this, it is a password. It is in one password that I know for certain is not an iCloud keychain. Uh, and to answer the question, some people are asking themselves, why do I have both of them on? Because I had to test iCloud Keychain uh, because I knew some people would like to use that because they know they're going to live in Apple's world mm-hmm. forever and they didn't need anything else. So I did at least need to know how it worked and I um, just hadn't gotten around to turning it off. And also it serves as a backup when I'm doing a beta test just in case something weird with one password. Right. Most likely iCloud Keychain will work. Uh, so that's why I have both of them currently active at the moment. A couple of things on one password. So if it does detect the correct login or detects what login should be available on that sh- on the screen that you're on or on the app that you're in, if you have multiple accounts, so Google is a good example here. If you're at, at gmail.com or anything with google.com in the uh, URL, if you have multiple accounts, uh, oftentimes you will see the passwords button above your keyboard. You tap on that and you would get a pop up list of all of the possible uh. logins instead of you having to go into one password and pick them. Now, once you tap the one that you want, you still have to do the whole authentication. So that is always going to be a part of this. However, you get to filling in the password uh, that you want uh, doing the authentication does have to be done another one other way you can actually fill in passwords in some so there are some third-party applications on ios that have a one password button still there uh from the days of when you could only use one password through the share sheet extension um you so you will see that sometimes that still works also using the share sheet in safari uh and uh i believe it works in other yeah it worked in firefox so uh in in the browser on ios as well or ipad os uh, the share sheet will also give present you an option uh, in that lower panel to use one password. And then it's just like you get the full one password view. You authenticate, select the password or whatever, fill it in. Uh, that's how it works on iOS. Like Mike said on Android, it, it sounds like a lot of steps to go through. Uh, but really, honestly, once you do it a few times and you know where things are going to be located and how it works, like it is very seamless. Like I have never once. I'll tell you this, like a lot of people, iCloud Keychain is a password solution from uh, Apple that is not nearly as fully featured as something like 1Password or LastPass. Uh, And I cannot for the life of me understand why I have a friend who decided he was going to ditch one password and go use iCloud keychain uh, because the process yeah. is really not all that much different to me. Uh, I would say currently the only advantage that iCloud keychain probably has is the creating or changing, updating of a password. Uh, they they kind of have a leg up there, although I believe iOS 14 is going to give uh, open up more of that access to third-party managers as well. iCloud Keychain can simply generate a password right on the screen uh, that you're on when you're trying to sign yeah. in or sign up or create a new password or whatever. Uh, you just tap it, boom, it's, it's in there, it fills it out where it needs to fill it out and automatically saves it. One password, you have to do a few steps to make that happen. But it can be done right there yep. on the mobile device, and that's the same with Android. You can create a new login on Android, or you can update your password on Android by generating a new password. So there we have it. Uh, 
Mike, you have used you've been using one password on Windows 10 for a while. And I, I am actually personally interested to hear kind of how that's going, because I know it was a little rough for you when you started. And for me, it has been several years. I don't one password seven was not even out the last time I used one password on Windows. So I'll give a real quick recap of one password on Windows and a couple of uh, facts that people may need to know. I know that if I would have known these things, then my experience with one password would have been a lot easier when getting started with it on Windows. So uh, when you're in a Chrome browser, and I'm telling you this specifically from Chrome because that's the browser that I use on a daily basis, you can hit control backslash and uh, authenticate yourself with your password, or if you have a Windows Hello device, it will look and see if it's you using your camera. If it is, then uh, it will authenticate, and you'll have an OK button that you hit, or you hit Alto, and it fills in your data. If you don't have Windows Hello set up on 1Password, uh, then you will enter your password, and then when you hit enter, it will fill that data if that's the only login that you have. If that's not the only login that you have, it fills the most recent used login that you have on that <laughs> website. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you need I to see that. all of your logins for that website, you hit Control-Alt-Backslash, and that brings up the equivalency of 1Password Mini. If you're setting up a new account and you want to generate a password inside of 1Password, uh, while on the sign-up screen, hit Control-Alt-Backslash, and that'll bring up 1Password Mini. Tab once, and you'll hear the list of accounts, but if there's no accounts there, tab again, and you'll hear Login, Tab. If you down arrow, you'll have credit card and password and uh, generate password. And you hit spacebar on generate password and you'll have some options to choose how long you want the password to be. Do you want it to use numbers? Do you want it to use uh, uh, symbols? Do you want it to use, I forget what the third option is. And then you have, if you press tab for a fourth time, you'll have an edit box that reads you your password and then press tab one more time and you'll hear uh, copy. So when you press space on copy, it will copy that password to your clipboard. It will only stay on your clipboard for 30 seconds, so keep that in mind. Paste in the password where you need it, and then hit enter, and uh, I would say 95% of the time, one password will prompt you, uh, do you want us to save this, or if you already have an account there, it'll say, do you want us to update your password for this account, and just follow the prompts to be able to save it or update your password. So it's a pretty seamless experience. Uh, I did just discover while we were recording this episode, because I'm in the closet, Windows Hello does not recognize my face because I set that up and now that's the way that I th- I authenticate. Uh, and it's it's pretty dark in here. So uh, you do have the other Windows Hello option. So if you are waiting for it to recognize your face, it'll say looking for you, which is slightly creepy and we won't talk about that. Uh, press tab and you'll hear an option to select it. Uh, I forget the exact wording, but then you'll be placed on a list where first will be face ID. Um, I don't think it's called face ID, but uh, you know what I mean. And then if Mm -hmm. you press the right arrow once, it'll say pin. You hit enter on that and you can enter your Windows hello pin. So that way you're authenticated and you didn't have to enter your one password password. So there are a couple different ways to authenticate on Windows. And hopefully those tips that I gave you were useful for navigating one password uh, inside the browser. Demasi's experience fairly similar on the Mac. 
It is. Uh, I think, Mike, in the one password app preferences, you should be able to set how long before it clears your clipboard. Uh, you can. Uh, and to get to those preferences on Windows is control comma. Yeah, cool. Command comma so, on a Mac. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the experience is, is very similar on the Mac. Uh, all of the tab instructions Mike just gave pretty much work. Uh, I don't necessarily use tab all that often. I just use VOJ to jump into sections. Right. Uh, you know, of course, on the Mac, you know, switch uh, control alt uh, and control whatever for command. So command backslash on the Mac, it depends. Because uh, my one password experience is a little strange on uh, the Mac in the sense that it does not always fill in whatever the last used password was. If I have multiple logins and I hit command backslash, I would say for me, 95% of the time, uh, it brings up the one password mini window. And then I can select the, the login that, that is in the list that fits that page or search for something. If it's not bringing up the right thing, uh, sometimes it will choose to automatically fill a password in to a site where there are multiple options. And then, Usually that turns out to be the wrong one. Hmm. Uh, at any time, anywhere in the OS, uh, command option backslash will bring up uh, the one password mini window. So this is how I fill in passwords inside of applications or paste a password into terminal for something uh, or even generate a password for something like if I'm making it an, an encrypted disk or some of that nature. Uh, Mike mentioned, and this is also true on the Mac in my experience as well, when generating a new password for a website, uh, if one password has a login for that site already, you're making a new account or want to update the password, it is going to show you suggestions for that site. Uh, you can very easily uh, hit a pop-up button, go down that menu to passwords, and then hit the button for generate password. And you get the same options Mike mentioned for character, how many characters, how long do you want it to be, uh, characters, uh, whether or not to use numbers, whether or not to use special symbols. Um, and it will, you hit uh, copy, and typically what it will do is copy the password to your clipboard and also fill it into the password field on the screen. Occasionally, uh, it will miss the second field for the verify your password, but just going there and pasting it will take care of that. And when you hit return or save to save your new account information or your updated password, as Mike said, I would say about 95% of the time, uh, it will pop up and say, hey, would you like to save this new login or give you the option to update an existing login? In the event that you do not get that prompt to save this account, password or create a new account new login uh that password is still saved in one password so the next time that you go back to that site and i actually just had this happen to me on aweber it did not ask me to save my login to aweber mm. so the next time i wanted to log into aweber i had to hit uh i hit command option backslash brought up the mini window and on that, in in the list of options, like it had the generated password that was generated at aweber.com because I'm on the same site where it was generated. Uh, and therefore, I can fill it in. I did have to manually tell it to create a new account. But in the event that 
for some reason you generate a password somewhere and then it doesn't offer to save that login detail or if you forget, you know, when you did something or where you were when you did something. That password is still in one password. Uh, I have quite a few passwords saved in one password that the URL field shows something like slash terminal dot app or something like that. Uh, because I was in the terminal when I generated the password. <laughs> uh, but it is saved there, which means at, at a later time, I can go back. And this is something I did not know about 1Password for probably the first couple of years I used it. So sometimes I would generate a password for something like, you know, I want to encrypt this this you know zip file or whatever. And then I didn't know how to get back to the uh, password because it, it didn't show yeah. up or it didn't give me a chance to name it at the time so it's like i don't i don't know what i'm doing here uh and eventually i stumbled across the passwords uh category and it's just like oh there's passwords from all over the place and oh (laughs) figure out where they were generated by looking in the url field because if it's an application it'll usually try to show you like at least on the mac i don't know about windows on the mac it will show you like the 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 file path identifier or the uh, developer you know bundle identifier for mm-hmm. the app so like com dot apple dot terminal app or something uh, is what you will get if you generate a password in the terminal which at least helps uh, yeah. oftentimes also typing in the name of the thing or the place where you were when you generated a password will surface that password for you as well if you're searching for something uh couple of things I want to mention on the password idea if you're just generating a password. You can generate a password when you're trying to log in or create a new account uh, or update a password. You can also do it right inside the, inside of the app. And one thing that I, I wanted to mention, which also reminded me that I now know what the PIN number is for my credit card, is you can adjust the length of the password that you generate. If you shrink it down to four digits, which is the smallest it'll let you do, it automatically converts that into a, a four-digit PIN. Uh, which is what I used to generate the pin for my credit card because I didn't know what I wanted to use and I doubted I would really ever have to use the pin number anyway. Yep. And then I gave the card to Tia to go to the store the other day. She's like, yeah. what's your pin? I was like, I don't know. It's possibly it's this. Credit. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I told her. I was like, yeah. uh, it's possible that it's this, but I don't know. Just run this credit because I don't know. Yeah. But I did remember as I was thinking about this tip, it was like, Oh, that's what I did. I generated four <laughs> digit pin. The maximum length I see for passwords on the Mac and iOS is sixty four characters. Yeah, uh, that's the same on Windows and Android. So I think they are working on a feature, and I could be wrong about this. Don't quote me. I am not pulling this from data from beta uh, information. It's something I read somewhere, and I could be mixing it up with a thing that Apple is doing. Uh, but I think. One password and probably the other password managers as well are trying to start building up a database of uh, those weird, I don't know, say those weird sites. You know, some sites give you a character limit. Like they say, oh, your password has to be between, Must be between you know, eight and 20 characters. Yeah. Right. And then you go generate a 32 character password because that's what you have set yep. to your default. And then it's like your password is not working. It's like, um, you know, the worst is when they let you fill in the password with 32 characters but they take the first 20 characters and just drop the uh, last 12 but you don't know happen. that 
You yeah. don't know that when you try to go log back in and you're like, well, it's professor. Not but, but the login page will take 32 characters, so it tries to to log you in with 32 with characters. With the 32 characters. So you never get back into you never get back into this account because you have yes. no idea what happened. That has happened yes. to me. Uh, me too. <laughs> but yeah, I have used one password to generate, uh, you know, digit only passwords for for different pins uh the other thing i have done and usually i do this when i am uh actually i got a tip for you michael this is a tip for michael uh and everybody else listening this is a tip for michael because i bet michael hadn't thought about this before unless i already told him you go create a new account right and or you're in an account and they want you to set up security questions what I tend to do with those security questions, because most times people know there are people who know the answers and probably can find the answers to those questions if you answer them truthfully. So I tend not to care about the question so much as what the answer is going to be. So what I will do. So I'll give you an example. We'll use PayPal for an example. Uh, PayPal just recently added two factor for anybody listening who didn't know. Uh, <laughs> real two factor. I mean, with like an actual app, like you can scan and the not code just in Ireland. Yeah, uh, it's over here. I didn't. Mike was like, "Is it Ireland?" Or, I don't know if it's here yet. I'm like, "Man, I just did it last night." You mean it? You mean this is kind of new? I didn't know it was new. <laughs> but what I tend to do, so let's take PayPal for example. Uh, you know, PayPal wants you to ask security questions. So I already have saved my PayPal login and one password. I go down. Uh, I go, I open it up in a separate window and I hit edit so I can edit the, the login. And then I go down to the section area and I put security questions. Mm-hmm. And then I start adding new fields. And the first field will, as the title or the label of that field, will have whatever the security question was. And then I make it a password field and I generate a memorable, what they call a memorable password, which is just, you know, a random bunch of words strung together actual words uh you could choose how many words minimum so at minimum i would use three words most times i try to use four and they're just random words so it could be like you know pot teddy bear coca-cola amthrax right and I put that in as the answer to my security question. And I repeat that process for each security question I have to fill out. So I type in the question in the label label area. And then I change this field type from text, which is what it is by default, I think, to password, generate a memorable password, and paste that in. And then once I'm done, I hit save. Now, one password does not attempt to ever fill in those passwords when I'm logging into PayPal, but if I ever get locked out or I need to give my security question answer for some verification reason, I can bring up that exact same login, go down to the question, copy that password, paste it in, and there we go. The reason I use the memorable passwords, which is a series of words separated by whatever you choose. You can choose spaces, periods, underscores, hyphens, and something else, commas, I think. The reason I choose that is because on occasion I have had to give someone the answer to a security question over the phone Uh. and trying to give them ZQ exclamation point number sign backslash. (laughs) Yeah. But if I can tell them this, you can just give them four words or whatever. Yeah. I can tell them pot, teddy bear. Uh, whatever the other two were refrigerator <laughs> amthrax and it's like oh right 
I was yeah. like, that's yeah. that's where you met your significant other? I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> but that's what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> but that's the answer to my question, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's your favorite vacation place? Pot, teddy bear, refrigerator, anthrax. <laughs> 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 Sounds like a It's like, man, you had a hell of a vacation. <laughs> Well, I so, do I see the last thing we have on it? What was that? Uh, so I wish there was some pot involved with a teddy bear and uh, maybe the, the strain of marijuana. A concerned. Uh, maybe the strain, <laughs> you know, there used to be a strain of marijuana going around called anthrax. So, you know, if somebody knew that, they might make that connection and be like, oh, apparently he has some, some of the anthrax strain of pot or nicknamed <laughs> anthrax strain of pot. Uh, a teddy bear and he was hanging out at the refrigerator apparently because he was thirsty. I don't know. It was a hell of a vacation though. That's all I can tell you. So DM52 just got slightly derailed. <laughs> oh man. Uh, the last thing on here is one, pra- one password on Chromio- Chrome OS devices. Is there anything you want to mention about on that? Because I'm not using one password X that is available though for individuals uh, to use. Are you using it at all or? I am not using 1Password X at the moment, but I did want to mention it as an option. So uh, first off, obviously, and someone may have been yelling at their phone uh, or tablet at this point. What do I do if I'm on a Chromebook and I don't have an app? It used to be the answer would have been, man, you got to go log into the 1Password website and uh, deal with it that way. But there is actually 1Password X for Chrome os or chromium based uh browsers which wouldn't yep. you know obviously is google chrome uh which is the chromebook and chrome os also includes brave browser uh don't use that though uh edge chrome browser edge uh there's a few others out there that i'm not sure of and i believe they also have one password x for firefox don't use that either uh well, well, you know, they're working on their accessibility. Uh, so there's 1Password X for those. What 1Password X is, is a, a browser extension that gives you most of the functionality. I would say most, probably not all, but most of the functionality that you can get in the desktop apps. So not only the ability to fill passwords for you, and it's standalone, so you don't need an actual uh, app. It gives you basically the full 1Password experience inside of your browser. Uh, you can fill passwords, create logins, generate passwords, store credit cards, add new data, uh, all of that, all all of those sort of things from right within your browser. Uh, Mike actually tipped me off to it a couple of years ago, and it was it was a decent experience. Uh, the added bonus, I would say, that if you are a Chrome user or a Chrome based browser user. And you're signed in, then, you know, naturally, if you go sign into a new browser, uh, all of your extensions come along with you. So you already have one password set up if you happen to be kind of moving around and using different computers or if you find yourself on a Chromebook. Mike, why did you stop using one password? Because I know you were a huge, huge advocate for it when it first came out, uh, or at least you were extremely excited about it. And you do tend to use Chrome primarily uh, anyway. So. I was I was happy with it because I was I was often on uh, the Chromebook, and so being on the Chromebook that was super useful because I couldn't install One Password on the Chromebook. But when I started just using the Chrome browser, so 
the command, and it, it I'm looking it up right now, is either Control-Alt or Command-Option, and or it's Control-Shift-X. It is not Control-Backslash. It's control shift X. Okay. Yep. So Mash control shift X, X and that'll activate one password X. And that's okay once you get used to it. But it was not control backslash or alt backslash, which was what I was used to, uh, or command backslash on the Mac. And so that really kept throwing me off. And when I was on Windows, I was just using the one password app. So nothing, no in particular reason why I switched from it, except for the fact that I wasn't really on Chrome OS. Anymore. Ah, gotcha. Makes so, sense. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much gone. Like I used it for a while just to just to get a feel for how it worked uh, and have the experience. But yeah, I eventually switched back to just using the Chrome browser extension for the Mac app because I already yep. got the app everywhere else, and that's how it works everywhere else. So didn't seem to make sense for me to have to uh, have already logged into One Password on the Mac, and then I go into Chrome when I got to log into One Password in the Chrome. Like that got annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is there, though, if you need it or you're on a Chromebook and uh, you're interested in 1Password, uh, you do still get all of the added features of being able to save more content because I know Chrome does have a password manager. I have not used the Chrome password manager myself. Uh, I've just went with 1Password because it's what works with my life and everything's already in there anyway. So, so let's run down very quickly your options when purchasing 1Password. I mentioned earlier that you can still go to onepassword.com and purchase a license for the Mac app. Uh, and I believe there's like an in-app purchase route on iOS, most likely the same thing on Android. Basically, you can still get a standalone version if you want to handle syncing yourself, uh, either through Dropbox or iCloud Drive. Uh, if that's available to you. They don't, as far as I know, they did not at the last time I was using this offer, just any cloud sync solution. Uh, so it was one of the two options I gave you or uh, land sync. I believe that's still available because again, a lot of enterprising places use one password, but they must be able to sync stuff and, and keep stuff you know, locked down in a very particular way. Uh, the other thing I will mention is that sharing a vault when you're seeking it yourself is very difficult. Um, hmm. It is it is aggravating to say the least. I'm not going to even go into how to do it. Google it. But when it comes to the subscription product, uh, they have, I want to say three, possibly four, four different, five different tiers of plans. We're going to cover the ones that are most relevant to us here today. They have an individual plan for one person, which is what I believe, if I'm correct, Mike, that's what you're on right now. Yep. So that is for one individual. Uh, that is roughly two ninety nine a month. Uh, I think maybe discounted if you're paying for a year. Right. Uh, but if you're paying month to month, it's two ninety nine. Uh, thirty day free trial. Next level up, they have one password for families, which is an account that I have. I don't remember the exact cost of one password for four ninety nine a month. Ah, there you go. So I think it's about five bucks a month. One password for families gives you five accounts uh, for that five bucks a month with all features. Everybody has their and, and the way it works when you get into these these family and team accounts is each individual that signs up has their own private vault that is strictly theirs. Uh, and then there is a generalized shared vault that everyone can see um, within that process. You can also share 
uh, create, you can create, you can always create multiple vaults is one thing we didn't mention earlier. Uh, so your stuff is in a vault. Uh, so in Mike's case, he has a personal vault. I imagine that's the name of it. Yeah. Uh, and, but Mike can go create separate vaults uh, within his account. So you get a default personal vault. Uh, if you're on a, a family or team uh, plan, you also have a default shared vault, which everyone in that account can see things in. And then you have your personal vault, which is all yours. You can always create additional vaults. So let's say you have your personal vault and then you want to create a Mike wants to create a vault for, uh, I don't know. Your own pay. Yeah, there you go. He wants to create a vault for your own pay so he can keep all of his stuff related to your own pay.com separate especially because he has a google account over here and a google account over there he's got two different paypal accounts and he doesn't want them always in the way good way to separate stuff out or uh, a great way to to kind of deal with organization organizational stuff and also a great way to share because uh, mike could create a vault called your own pay and then he could share that vault with me i think uh i'm not sure about the individual plan I was just looking at my vault and I had, because I, I was thinking about it when you were talking about vaults. I'm like, well, that's weird. It says that I have multiple vaults. Why do I have multiple vaults? Well, I have a shared vault and there was only one item in there, which was my name cheap thing, which I just moved over to my personal one. So I'm not sure what exactly this gives me, this shared one. Uh, so. I think your shared vault is there because you were the owner of the account and you downgraded it, right? Like you were yes. on family and then you downgraded yep. to individual. Yeah. So that's why I steered there because technically by the rules of the way it works, you set up that account. So you own that vault. Basically it's just by default share with everybody except now it's not. Okay. Okay. Uh, family accounts. Like I said, you get a shared vault by default. You can create other vaults and share them. So example, uh, me, Latia, her sister and her sister's husband, uh, who's also a friend of mine. I don't want to make it seem like I don't know the dude or something. Uh, <laughs> or, or, well, they were all, we were all in a family password account. So we had a, a shared vault that everybody was using. And that's where we put stuff that we all, you know, wanted access to Netflix account, for example, uh, Hulu, you know, my Hulu, their Netflix, like that. Uh, and a few other random bits, you know, of things that, you know, someone might have, everybody probably needed to have access to. But yeah. because there are things that me and Tia needed to share that they didn't need access to at all, uh, I created a second vault and I shared it just with Tia. And then so we put all of the stuff that we need to have in there, including that's where I store her credit cards because I'm tip or debit cards because I'm typically the person that puts that stuff in one password. Uh, she can see them now because we have that share of all, but I'm, you know, if I didn't put them in there, it probably wouldn't be there. Uh, similarly, is where I have shared the images I took of the kids' birth certificates, uh, social security cards and her id and all of that sort of stuff uh so again you know for proof one i know i have a backup of it somewhere in case the physical document gets damaged or lost and i have a way to prove that at least at some point this document existed i don't have a physical yeah. copy of it you may not accept a printout of this as being legitimate but at least it can get me out of some situations because here's proof that this document exists uh-huh uh, which is the reason i stick it there um, and for family accounts, you can add additional people. I think it's a dollar per person that you add over your five person limit. 
pretty nice solution, pretty low key. You still get, you know, all of the advantages of one password. All of the applications are free to install. Uh, and then you get up into the business level accounts. So then you get into the accounts more targeted at small to medium businesses. The lower level is team. And that is $4.99 per person per month if you're paying monthly. And uh, I believe it's $3.99 per person per month if yep. you pay it annually. The team account gives you a few more controls. You still get the basic sort of setup that you would get with a family account. So you have each individual has their own personal vault that is theirs. And then there is a automatically created shared vault that everybody can uh, view. Uh, again, you have the ability to create other vaults and either keep them personal or share them with specific people if you choose to do so. Uh, the big thing that you get with teams that you don't get up under a family account is you get some more auditing details on who's access, what, when, and where. You get some basic controls for setting things like requiring two-factor. Uh, you get the option to use some different to well, you get the option to use in addition to you know regular two factor with the security code, uh, two digit six digit code. Excuse me. Uh, you also have the choice to use Duo uh, as a two factor method uh, on a team account, and you get a higher limit. So family accounts are able to share a a family account user can share a vault with someone outside of their family uh, with a limit of five people. So if I up under my family account, I can share a vault with Michael. I can share a vault with Desiree. I can share a vault with three other people outside of my family. And then that's it. That's the limit. I can't invite anyone else outside of my family to that vault. At that point, I would have to bring them into the family Uh, on a team account. That number gets raised to 20. I believe it's 20 or 25. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. For a team account, which means from a small business perspective, and I actually use one password in this manner. uh, So I have two accounts. Uh, I use my business account so that I can share a vault when I get a new client that I'm working with. I if they're a one password user, which is nice when they are, because then I just create a vault with that, you know, their company name or their name. And I share it with them and I say, hey, the passwords that I need access to to get into your stuff to do the thing that you're paying me to do, uh, just copy them into this vault. Right. Uh, don't move them, just copy them. You do have the option to move something to a vault or copy it into a vault. Copying into the vault is what I suggest they do because once I'm done, I can delete that vault. They don't lose their stuff. Uh, or if they I mean, change it, and I no longer have access to it, right? Because they can, yep. and even if I maintain access to it, they could change their password in their personal vault and it would not be updated in the shared vault. So that again, make sure that they have the ability at any given time to revoke my access without it being a big deal. Uh, you know, because they can just change their password and it will not be updated in the shared vault. It'll be updated in their personal account if that's how they do it. So that that comes in super handy. Uh, the ability to share uh, share vaults with people externally. Uh, the business account, uh, most people really don't need that unless you're a bigger business. Uh, the biggest things that it offers are the ability to. Uh, it gives you a deeper audit history, first of all, so you can right. see who accessed the vault 
who did what when uh you get groups so that you can group people you know say your marketing department has access to these vaults you can give them access based off the group that they're in so marketing has access to this vault but not that vault yeah uh, has access to everything yeah because uh, that's how it has to be man you know what I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. we're the ones got to fix it when you guys break it. Uh, <laughs> so we need access to everything, all of it, except your personal vaults. We do not get access to those. And I haven't tried this, but I don't even think it's, I don't think it's even possible to share your personal vault with somebody. It might be. I haven't even tried it because it, it just right. doesn't make sense. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's that's the one thing IT doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> that is the one thing, even in the business account, like IT, as far as I know, unless there's something I have missed uh, in my investigations, IT cannot reach it to your personal vault. Uh, right. Administrators can't have access to any shared vault within the one password account. So any vault that has been shared, any vault that has been created, uh, but your personal one, like that's yours all to yourself uh nobody's ever gonna be able to look in there so yeah deeper audit history so you can see who did what when who's using what devices you can set password uh regulations so you know your master password has to be uh, or your one password has to be you know a minimum x number of characters with this many symbols and blah 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 uh again enforce two-factor so you can force people to have to use two-factor uh just a side note if you turn on duo uh, in a team account or a business account that automatically enforces two factor for everybody. Uh, there's no, well, huh. sort of, you can get around it if you configure duo in a way that you probably really shouldn't configure duo itself, but by default that will automatically, uh, that, that, that infers two factors active for everyone. Uh, whereas mm. you can manually turn on two factor for your account. If you're just using uh time base, uh, passwords or security keys. One password does support uh, hardware security keys. Uh, you can turn that on for individual account and not have it apply to everybody, or you can enforce two factor across your. You can enforce two factor across your team or business account. Enforce people to have to go set up, you know, Authy or uh, Google Authenticator or One Password. One Password will store two factor codes. It would be strange and probably not the smartest thing in the world to do to unless put, you set it up with your personal one password vault uh it would probably not be <laughs> the smartest thing to put your two-factor code for your one password account in ah. the same account that that one password yeah. token belongs to now yeah. i have yeah. done this but i have done this in the way that i think mike was trying to say i have a family account so my family personal vault that i own for myself has the two-factor code for my right. business account and vice versa. Uh, same thing with my, uh, what is that code that you have to put in? Uh, that that long, super long key. Uh, your, your secret key. Secret key, yep. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that, that I have saved the same way, right? Because I'm most likely not going to be locked out of both accounts at the same time. Uh, and if you are, weird. then you have big issues. Uh, yeah, you, you do have big issues. Uh, especially if you're me because I'm the admin for all their accounts. <laughs> like, ain't nobody save me. Uh, the nice thing about family accounts, team and business accounts is that you do, it will, ex unless you happen to be the only admin. Uh, this is a good you know, reason for setting up other admins. 
Uh, but admins do have the ability to start what they call a recovery process. Now, this does not reset a person's master password. What it does is start the process to give them to regain access. Mike, do you remember what the end user part of that is? Because all I had to do was just go say, hey, start recovery for this user. I have no idea what you did. Yep. So, and then we'll wrap this up because we're coming up on 90 minutes for this episode. Uh, I get a email that says an administrator has started the recovery process for one password and then it gives the team name. Uh, and then it says click here to continue the recovery password or the recovery process. I click there and then I enter my new one password password. And then I believe you got an email that says Michael has taken the next step in the recovery password process. Uh, confirm that this is okay or whatever. I, I think that's what it said to you. Yeah. And something then you like that. confirm that. And then it sends me an email and lets me know that here's your new secure secret key, which we did not mention. Uh, and here, and you, your new password download your recovery kit and or your emergency kit and then i'm back in ah okay so that's what an admin can do uh they advise you and they nag the crap out of me and my business account even though i'm the only person there you should add a second admin i'm like but i'm the yeah. only person here yeah uh, but that is for that reason if you get locked out only an admin can start that recovery process one password the company cannot on your behalf start the recovery process for you. So if you Even are if the, you're only, the only admin, they cannot, they cannot. So if you are the only admin in your account and there are multiple people, maybe consider making somebody else an admin, uh, yeah. just in case, uh, if you are the only person in the account, period, well, you know, back the hell up out of everything you could think of. <laughs> because otherwise, <laughs> Is you that are the same screwed. process with one password family. Can you, let's say Tia locks herself out. Can you recover that or yes? Yes. Okay. I've had to do it before. Not for her, uh, but I've had to do it before in the family account. But yeah, it's the same process. I just don't know what it looks like from the from the, you know, locked out person's perspective because all I do is go start the process and then say, yeah, you know, I get the email says, Hey, this person And then has you done confirm this. it. And I say, Yeah, let them in. Uh, yeah. And what that does is um because I believe in some cases it's possible for uh, the user to request uh, to make a request to, to start the recovery process. Uh, I may be wrong about that, but what those two, two different emails, you know, so in the process, me and Mike have been through a couple of times, me starting the process, well, Mike gets an email and then he follows his steps. But in the meantime, the assumption, at least in my head, is that me and Mike are in communication with each other. So Mike would ping me and say, hey, I just did this thing, right? Because what if somebody hacked into Mike's email and then they clicked on the link and they were now about to complete the reset process for Mike's password. Well, I'll say, Mike, did you do the thing? And Mike's like, yeah, no, I didn't do the thing. I'm like, well, oh, uh, Mike, you need to do something about your password. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's how that works. Very so quickly on the security on team's, key. On the yeah. team's login page, there's a link that says having trouble signing in. Uh, click that link and then you enter your email address. It will email the administrator of the team and request that they start the process of your password being recovered or of your account being recovered. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I thought there was a way for people to request it. Uh, Mike usually just calls me. He's like, um, could you reset my password? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But in a larger organization, you can see how that could be totally untenable. Uh, 
Yeah. Very briefly, because we've mentioned it a couple of times recently, we have not mentioned it once before. When setting up your account uh, for the subscription, regardless of the plan that you pick, uh, you will put in your email address. You will be a secret key will be generated for you. And you need to store this secret key somewhere secure. Yes. Uh, because it's 25 that is, characters, so you can't remember it. No, you I cannot mean, remember it, and you don't get to make your own. Uh, but you do need to put it somewhere safe where you can retrieve it uh, because it serves two purposes. Number one, uh, it is how you authenticate when you're signing into a new device is to use that secret key. Now, nine times out of 10, when you're setting up a new device, you will have a a, a uh, device that already is logged into your 1Password account, which means you can use your, your handy QR code scanning functionality uh, yep. to set up your account, which I love. Very familiar with that. <laughs> but if you have, for some reason, been a dummy, and, well, I shouldn't say a dummy. Yeah, I should say a dummy because I did it to myself. You have, oh, I'm going to restore my iPhone. Oh, I'm going to install Mac OS Catalina. Wait a minute. Now All I can't on log into 1Password. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like that. Uh, now, fortunately, I was able to go boot back into Mojave because I still had it on an external and then, you know, take yeah. care of authenticating on the phone. But had I not had that and I did not have my secret key stored somewhere, I would have been hosed. Yep. Uh, absolutely 100% hosed. Uh, one thing you could not get that code. No, they, they can't help you that. That is the same thing as you losing your password at that point. Uh, and then you type in your, your, you create your own master password for your account. Uh, but you do need that security key. They suggest printing it out. If you have the ability to print that out and store it somewhere where it won't just be lying around, do that. Uh, because then you can always get someone with eyeballs to read this random gibberish out to you. They're not going to be able to remember it. Just make sure you snatch the paper back when they're done and say thank you. Uh, what I have done for myself is I took, I downloaded the PDF. I encrypted the PDF. Well, I put the PDF in an encrypted zip file. I do know the password for this zip file. Uh, it's not an easy password to guess. It will not. I don't think it's guessable, but I do know what the password is for this zip file. And I threw it in a shared uh, drive, uh, iCloud drive folder. Uh, uh, I feel that that is probably safe enough because first you're going to have to either subvert Apple and get to my iCloud data and you're going to have to break the encryption, which is, you know, military grade encryption, apparently which may or may not be great. I don't know. Uh, but it's 256-bit encryption. Like, I didn't just type a password on it. Do you use XKPASSWD? I have toyed around with it, but I haven't actually used it. Like, I've never generated yeah. a password there that I've used somewhere. Uh, yeah, same with me. I've toyed around with it, but I've never generated I don't, one. I don't it could really... be a good place to get a password for your encrypted zip files or something if people wanted to i'll put it in the show notes at dm52 yeah because that is a good idea uh i will i think i can give away some of the secrets to how i create passwords in my head that i can remember first of all i use phrases or sentences that i will remember uh, mm -hmm. and i use a combination of Depending on how long this password needs to be, I use a combination. So I use Braille symbols in place of, of, of uh, you know, I use Braille, the, the, the 
computer braille code. You know, how do how do I put this? Uh so the with side, uh the computer braille or it used to be computer braille, what the with sign was was the right parentheses. So instead of typing with, I just put a right parentheses. Ah uh, okay. sense? Okay. Yeah. Uh I see. So I used That's the computer clever. computer code conversion of the uh Braille symbols for words and, and, and contractions in Braille uh, okay. to write my sentence uh, or phrase. So I think I can fairly give that away without really giving anything away because you still first <laughs> got to know what the hell yep. the, the sentence is. Who knows what that might be? It could be I had a wonderful time with the pot, the teddy bear, the refrigerator, and the anthrax. <laughs> And see people, that's how he remembers those four terms. Except I can't spell Althrax. I probably misspelled it. (laughs) That's how I come up with passwords for things that I need because we all are going to find ourselves. Like one password is an example, right? You you only have to remember one password. But I'm going to be honest with you. Like there there are other passwords that you're going to have to know. If for no other reason, because you got to be able to back up your one password, yeah. like you got to have something yeah. total out. Uh, I used to know my Google password, but I changed it. Uh, I need to change mine. I knew it when I was a full-time Android user. Uh huh. Yeah. Because if I ever found myself in a situation where that was my only device and I needed to uh, restore it for some reason or I had to pick up a new device like I need to know my Google password because if I can't get into Google then I can't yeah. download one password then I can't get to the rest of my shit so uh, exactly and now you have it on different devices so you don't necessarily need that password because you can just type it in manually because that's so much fun I do know my gmail.com password though if if in case of emergency I know that password uh, right. it has two factor on it that's why I like security keys. That does alleviate a little bit of that stress for me. Like for those special super important accounts, uh, having a, a security key as the two-factor token uh, mm-hmm. means I'm not scrounging for where the hell can I get a six-digit code from or where are my backup codes. Just whip out the key and tap it on the phone. Uh, MC <laughs> is amazing. As a follow-up to DM7, because uh, that was the last time we talked about one password. Uh, we did go in a lot more depth this episode. So if you guys want any information about some of the links that we mentioned, head on over to yourownpay.com forward slash DM52. Demasi is on Twitter at Demasi, D-A-M-A-S-H-E. I'm on Twitter at Payom, P-A-Y-O-W-N. And we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks.